Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from the tech and business world and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today, we have Julie Zhu, co-founder of InSpirit, though she's done a lot of other very impressive, super interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask her that much about. Julie, thank you so much for being here. Hi, Alexis. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Are you ready to dive in? Absolutely. You know, I loved the premise of this. I think we could talk about whatever. I think it's going to be a great time. Yay. I could not agree more. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by Chorus Meditation. Chorus is virtual instructor-led group meditation and breathing classes that make you feel better from your very first class. Co-founded by a former hedge fund analyst and a top SoulCycle instructor, Chorus makes it easy and fun to de-stress with their unique blend of meditation and breathing to the beat of popular music. If you're feeling stressed and looking to take care of yourself, you've tried traditional meditation and it's never really clicked, or you've thought meditation just wasn't for you, you should try Chorus. To get a one month free trial, use the promo code hello, hello at chorusmeditation.com. You'll get unlimited access to all their live and on-demand classes for a month. Feel better now with Chorus. Okay, so a little bit of professional background for our listeners. Julie Zhu is the co-founder of InSpirit, an advisory and product company focused on helping other organizations make better decisions with data and design. Before that, she was the VP of product design for the Facebook app, where she helped scale the service from 10 million users to over 2 billion during her 13 years there. Her field guide to management, the making of a manager, became an instant Wall Street Journal bestseller and was selected as one of Amazon's best business and leadership books of 2019. She writes about technology, design, and leadership on her popular blog and mailing list, The Looking Glass. She graduated with a computer science degree from Stanford University and lives with her husband and three children in California's Bay Area. Julie, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I'm excited to talk to you for a lot of reasons. But one is that several years ago, I attended a manager training and I asked who was putting out really interesting, thoughtful insight on that topic. And your name was the first one that this person recommended to me. That's awesome. You know, when I was a manager, I felt that I was consistently, you know, with this feeling of like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. And one way to really process that was to turn to writing. And so it was yeah. almost like writing these letters to myself at the end of the week where I would think about whatever big drama or situation or, or hard thing that I didn't really know what to do. And I would say, okay, like, let's just sit down and like, let's compose that letter yes. to myself. And in that process, Perfect. you know, these like very muddled streams of thought would kind of become, you know, like a little framework. It got simplified in that process. And, and I think that's why I've always loved writing so much. Yay. I love that. That makes a ton of sense. And I know you've helped a ton of people with it. I'm really excited to chat with you. My first question for you is work is done for the day and you close your computer. Then what? Then usually this is around dinner time. I'm usually helping prep a little bit of dinner and then I immediately go and see my kids. Then we all have dinner together. Um, And then after dinner is basically just time with the kids. That's nice. So we'll do Legos. We'll read books until they go to bed. And then after they go to bed, I have two hours in front of my computer where I either finish up errands and chores or go back to work. 
Wow. Okay. I love that this is a schedule. Do you have like the schedule printed out somewhere or do you kind of keep this in your brain or is this on a calendar? You know, I have three kids, right? And each of them, you know, is a different stage of development and it's easy to sort of forget because, you know, your children are are kind of growing and um, changing so quickly. So Hmm. now that my son is four, I have to sort of remind myself, like, what does one do with a four-year-old? Like, what are, you know, the things (laughs) to kind of talk about? And, you know, my daughter's six, she's in a different zone where she's all about like Legos and video games. And I have another uh, son who's one and a half. So it's oh pretty chaotic. Whew, this is a lot of kids. And you said that you've been playing video games outside of work. Do you play those with your daughter? You know, she just started getting into video games, which was so exciting okay. for my husband and I. So the story is my husband and I met in college and our very first conversation was actually about video games. We were talking about this game that we played when we were teenagers. It was Final Fantasy VII. Sure. I think I probably spent over like 150 hours on this game. Oh my God. But that was our very first conversation. And throughout our dating and I guess our early marriage, we would play a lot of video games together. And we had this like vision in our heads one day that when we had children, you know, one of the great things we would all do as a family is play video games together. And so for years, my, my husband has been trying to get my daughter to be interested in video games. And okay. for the longest time, she's like, no, like, I don't like video games. Mm, and sure. he would be like, are you really my daughter? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but it got to the point where something broke through two months ago and okay. she just started playing Nintendo Switch. She's playing this game called Box Boy and Box Girl, as well as Animal Crossing. <gasps> I love Animal Crossing. Yeah. I'm so happy for you and for your husband. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, so this has been a very recent development and we can now go back to that vision where maybe one day we can all play, you know, multiplayer Mario together. Oh my God. Isn't that the dream? I think that's all of our dreams, isn't it? Mario Party is a family. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's my dream for sure. I grew up as a big Nintendo kid. I'm still a Nintendo kid. I also have a Nintendo Switch. I've always loved video games for sure. Do you two still play Final Fantasy? In our marriage vow, I kid you not, he did say that he was going to promise me that we would always play uh, every single Final Fantasy. (gasps) Now I don't think we quite finished them. The last one um, we played for maybe 10 hours hours or so. And then it sort of trailed off. I just think we don't have the time now to really go and do this, you know, deep RPG. So we probably try and play shorter games. We really love the Untitled Goose game. Oh my God, that game is hilarious. It's amazing. It is just, it's like, it was like a wonderful three hour period. Been also playing a lot with Beat Saber recently in Oculus. Okay, pretty cool. Are you two competitive against each other or is it more collaborative? Now we are playing more collaborative games. We used to play some competitive (laughs) games and it didn't turn out that well. I think we kind of got too into it. And then I would be like, Mike, like, why did you do that to me? You know, and and (laughs) we've learned over the years that um, collaborative games are, you know, just they're a little bit more um, less dramatic. I love that. I love competitive games, but I also really love collaborative games because I think that I like winning more than I like beating someone. So the idea that we get to win together is really compelling to me. Yes, I 100% agree. Yeah, so we love Katamari. We love like Mario for that reason. We'll do pretty much any game that is collaborative. We like. Have you ever really invested in trying to get better at a video game? Many years ago, this is probably in my 20s, about the time right after I joined Facebook, one of the things that we would used to do late at night was play StarCraft. We'd play StarCraft 1, which is a real-time strategy game. And... 
I did try in that period to get better at StarCraft because, you know, it's sort of, it is a competitive game, right? And and you can play in teams, but essentially, you know, you're just trying to be, beat yes. the other person. It's very um, kind of capture the flag-esque. And, you know, I wanted to kind of be able to be a better StarCraft player. So, so I did invest in that, but it turns out I'm just not naturally as gifted yep. as other people. And so after a certain point, you reach your limit and you realize, okay, this is about <laughs> as good as I'm going to get. And by the way, yep. wouldn't it be more fun to maybe watch like competitive StarCraft. So then I went from being a player to being more of like a, a observer of StarCraft at the highest levels. That's awesome. That's really cool. I find that I am somewhere in the middle of that where I really like to be good at the things that I do. I've really put time into being good at certain games, but other games I've just accepted it. I'm like, this is where I'm at. This is where I'll always be. Have you ever been known as the something person, you know, whether that's in college or even high school or at work, like something that you were always known for? Growing up, I was probably known as like the art person. Okay. My best friend and I at the time in middle school and high school, we were really, really into drawing and illustration and, and we pirate Photoshop. And then we would, you know, that's how we actually taught ourselves how to use um, a lot of those digital illustration tools. And every day in class, you know, we would have this like doodle notebook that we'd pass to each other and they were just like filled oh with drawings and, and illustrations. So that was a lot of what I did when I was um, earlier on. I don't know. I think in college and at work, I'm probably known as the serious person oh, really? <laughs> um, <laughs> or the person who's like, you know, always just like wanting to hear what everyone else thinks and then either writing it down or reflecting mm -hmm. on it. I think I was always mm -hmm. known as like a good listener and somebody who was very, very introspective and reflective. Did you ever draw in meetings or things like that? I was actually, you know, still really interested in doing illustration up until probably two or three years after I joined my first job, mm -hmm. which was Facebook. And we had a hackathon where all of us were sort of hacking and building our own apps on top of Facebook. And do you remember Tamagotchi, you know, of that course. you could adopt of from like way I back do. then? Yeah. I thought it would be a really fun idea to just take a bunch of these illustrations that I had done over the years, you know, little animals, little creatures, and yeah. just make kind of like a adopt a pet little oh, cute. Facebook widget, right? I love that. And it was, it was called Fluff Friends. And oh. what you could do... <laughs> Is, you know, so I, I started it with like a set of like, uh, you know, 20 or so little, little fluff friends that I had drawn, you know, there's like a oh little God. monkey and a giraffe and, and all of that. And, and then, you know, you could adopt one and you could name it and then your friends could come <gasps> over and pet it. And over time you could, you know, give it food. You could like enter it oh into races to try and earn fluff money. Which yes. then you could spend to buy other virtual, like, you know, habitats or or clothing oh, for course. your little fluff friends, right? So that was great until it got to the point where it was like so popular that I could not spend any more time on it. So I kind of gave it to my oh, husband. No. My my boyfriend oh my run God. at the time, right? And I was like, look, you can you can take this. Like I actually still have a day job, you know, I gotta go and focus on that. So he ended up actually quitting his job and working You're on me. Fluff Friends full-time. Yep. You're for, kidding me. <laughs> for that a few years. That is amazing. For a few years? Two years or so. But but guess wow. who was the illustrator for this for this app in her spare time? Oh my God. So that was me. 
And uh, so what would happen is I'd have my day job and then I'd go home. My boyfriend at the time would be like, hey, like I need you to draw like some more monkeys or like some more like scars oh for the God. monkeys. And I'd be like, okay, okay. <laughs> and after a year of this, I think I was just completely burnt out on on illustrating. Yeah. It's a different thing when it becomes like your job, you know, when you kind of have to do it and you've got like deadlines and you've got the pressure and all of that. Yes. Um, and I think after that, I was like, I need a break from drawing and just sort of then turned to writing. <laughs> yes. Have you done any drawing since then? Now I would doodle for my kids. Um, just last night, my son was okay. really excited about making a menu of all of the foods that he liked. And he's four years old, so he can't read or write yet, which meant that his menu needed to be Aww. pictures of all the foods. So sure. that's what we did together. Oh, that's really cute. How nice. Does he show any of your aptitude yet for illustration? My daughter does. My son, no. He's quite visionary, so he'll make these projects. They're not really illustration, but he mm. can he he can do a lot of stuff with tape. Tape is probably his favorite medium. Um, we've got all sorts of masking oh, tape. Oh, stuff with and- tape. Yeah. Okay. He will just like put tape all, he'll use like he'll move furniture around and then he will put tape all over and kind of this... 3D kind of sculptural piece. Um, it's fairly random, but it's actually pretty cool. Some of the some of the stuff looks pretty cool. I mean, that's definitely like MoMA status. That could be a piece in the Museum of Modern Art for sure. He does have a real vision always when he starts something. He That is so cool. Also, Fluff Friends sounds adorable. I kind of wish I could still play it. <laughs> so what's the tiniest hill that you're willing to die on? Something totally inconsequential. Uh, that you would really go to the mat for? Recently, decisions around furniture or interior design. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have become very opinionated about that over the okay. years. I think it's because I've been doing more and more research and just spending my time browsing sites. And I think it's my dream to kind of become an interior designer. I mean, yes. as a hobbyist. Sure. One of the ways that I'm trying to get better at it is probably just exerting my opinion a lot more. And um, thankfully, my husband has been, you know, very accommodating. Have you purchased a furniture item during the pandemic period that you're really excited about? Yes. um, I've purchased a lot of furniture items. Uh, (laughs) I would say one that that I've actually really enjoyed has been these ergonomic chairs. Um, So I've done (gasps) a bunch of research Uh. into kind of these chairs, you know, because I'm like sitting all day long, right? And um, I do feel like my body's getting, you know, creaky and, and older. Yeah. I've been, you know, kind of focused a little bit more on like, okay, how can I, I make the workspace as, as ergonomic as possible? So I found this yeah. great website and there's this one, it's kind of like this springy chair. Okay. And you sit on it and it, it kind of bounces. Okay. And it kind of keeps you, you know, a little bit more moving slightly um, throughout the day. And it's been, it's been really great. I might be asking you to email it to me after this because I'm sitting on a dining chair, which is suboptimal for sure. Also, whenever I talk about ergonomics, I immediately sit up straight. Like whenever the conversation (laughs) comes up, I'm like, oh my God, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sit up, sit up, sit up. (laughs) Is there anything that your family did growing up that you thought was normal at the time, but then later learned was extremely unique to your family? I would say one thing that my family did, which now I don't do, but that I thought was normal was like, they never celebrated 
any holidays. No holidays. No holidays. Nope. Nope. Um, and I think the reason why is because my parents grew up in China and I grew up in China as mm-hmm. well until the age of mm-hmm. six. You okay. know, they had lived through the cultural revolution where they really tried to stamp out all of these, you know, old traditional holidays and festivals and mm-hmm. all of that. So then when they came to America, you know, there was obviously all, all sorts of new holidays. And I think they were like, oh, we're immigrants. Yeah. We don't really know what these things are. So we're just yes. going to like continue as is. We didn't really celebrate birthday so much. We really didn't celebrate, yeah. you know, Christmas. We didn't really celebrate Chinese New Year um, in, in a huge degree. When I went to school, I was like, oh, wait, all of my classmates are like doing stuff and they've got all these yeah. traditions and they have like these things like Santa and the Tooth Fairy. Like, are they mm. real? <laughs> it had convinced me that the Tooth Fairy was real. And then I lost my tooth. So I go home one night and I was like, okay, okay. Everyone just says you got to put your tooth under your pillow and then you'll get like, you know, a shiny coin or something yeah. very exciting. So I did that. And the next morning, of course, there was still my tooth. Um, no tooth yes, fairy had come. For sure. And so, oh, no. and now that I'm a, a parent myself, I think I have steered completely the opposite direction where I was like, I am really big yes. on holidays. Like I will celebrate anything. Totally. I will take, you know, every oh, I love tradition that. from like any culture and like try and celebrate that. That's amazing. I saw on Twitter that your, I think it was your daughter asked you how reindeer fly. Was that it? And that you wrote her a nice note. (laughs) Or Santa. (laughs) From Santa. Santa wrote her a nice note. Yeah. That is so sweet. She wanted to do, you know, like the carrots and the cookies. And then she wanted to write a note. And instead of like in previous years, it had been like things that she wanted. But this year, she was like, I'm just really curious about how reindeers fly. Um, And so it was fun for me too. I, I think I went on Twitter and I sort of crowdsourced yep, a bunch of crowdsourced. a bunch of ideas, um, and then yep. uh, wrote her the note back. Yeah, that's really sweet. Are there any traditions that you've come up with as a family for these holidays that you're super stoked about now? Yes. Yeah, so we have a lot of traditions. One of our favorites is um, this one called. It started out as Cheester. And so you celebrate it. <laughs> I already love it. I already love similar it. Similar to Easter, but it is a, a real celebration of cheese and the things that one can do with cheese. And so um, oh what God. happened is one day, you know, my husband and I were walking in the grocery store. Do you know when you pass like all of these crackers, you know how on the cover of any cracker box, they show you like a cracker yep. and like a very elegant, like trifle on top. The serving suggestion. It always looks like really elegant, but like in reality, you're just always, you you know, kind of eating the cracker like by itself. Yeah. Like out of your hand, just like a fist of wheat thin. Yeah. A hundred percent. One day we're like, we're walking, we're like, why don't we do what what they do on the box. Like, why don't we just like try yes. and make these like really elegant looking trifles on, I don't know if they're what you call them, like orders. I, I don't know what exactly the technical definition. They're layers. They have layers. I was like, whatever they have on the box, like we're just going to go and like make them. And then we're like, let's make it a competition where we <gasps> each just like, we just buy a bunch of ingredients and you know, I would buy like some smoked salmon and like, you know, um, like dill and like all sorts of cheeses. And then we will each just then have a competition where we create a plate and, and it will be judged based on both looks as well as how, how well it tastes. Yes. Presentation is important. Exactly. exactly. So we're going to go and do this and then we're going to give each other's, you know, we're going to, I'm going to give my plate to him. He'll give my plate to me. We okay. will like, you know, um, score it. We'll actually invite some friends over and have them yes. try the thing that that we've made. And will that be a blind assessment or will they know who's is who? Oh, they will know who's is who's. Yes. So Okay. Oh, will it be obvious? 
usually I win on the aesthetics um, coming from a design okay. background. And I all. would expect, yeah. I would on, I would hope that you had the edge. Even if it were blind taste dust, I think our, our friends would know it was. So, so that became known as Cheester and our kids have really loved it, right? So we've kind of done it every year. And this year they, they actually suggested a new tradition for the holidays, which they decided to call oh. holiday Cheester. And okay. <laughs> And it's the exact same concept, except what we're supposed yeah. to do is put out a bunch of beverages, right? Because there's lots of holiday beverages. So there's like, you know, hot chocolate and eggnog and they like totally. spin drift and they like tea and they like, you know, mm. um, sprinkles and whipped cream. And they want us to just put out all the ingredients and then they get a bunch of cups and they just mix it all together. Oh my God. And they make their holiday beverage. And then do they submit it to you guys to be judged? This one wasn't a competition. I'm not sure that they yet understand the concept of a competition. Oh, that's so wholesome. That's so nice. I'm like, oh, who won? <laughs> Uh, so it was really just, you know, it's like pouring and mixing and like we tried to, you know, make it, How it, it was a big mess, but it was quite fun for them. Oh my gosh. I bet that was so fun. I used to love stuff like that. Just like putting things together. What is it going to look like? What is it going to make? I was never that talented at the creations, but I bet they're having a total blast with that. And I love that they came to you. They were like, we want to do this. How cool. Yeah, they, they see us making coffee in the morning, which seems like it's like mm. very exciting for them, right? Because, you know, the machine, the grinder yeah. makes this yeah. loud noise. Um, and so yeah. I think that's where, where it started. It's like, they were like, we want to make our own thing too. You know, we want to make our tea. We want to make our coffee. That's awesome. Is there a fad that you look back on participating in that now makes you a little cringy? Could be fashion, like workout, anything cultural? A lot of diet fats, um, I think mm. I've tried over the years. Um, I don't think they're cringeworthy, but I actually always like, like trying, uh, whatever is the trend and oh, then really? just sort of like encapsulating for a bit and then sort of, you know, like trying to understand it. Yeah. There was one that we did. It's like the 30 day. Was it the whole 30? Yeah. The whole 30. We did that. Yes. Oh, that's a hard, that's a one. really hard one. Right. And really hard. It was hard because like, after you cut out, you, so you cut out all the stuff, you cut out like sugar, you cut out, I think, um, any sort of grain and you do get this like horrible migraine for like three days. Wow. Uh, you know, as okay. your body is like changing and, and processing and, you know, the, the idea is like, you know, I read it and they were like, okay, you're going to feel really awful for like, you know, a week or two. But then yeah. after you get past like the, whatever, day 18 hump, you're going to have tiger's blood energy. Tiger's blood. <laughs> It was like, literally like, you're going to feel tiger's blood energy. And I was like, this sounds amazing. I don't know what that is, but, Great. but it sounds amazing. Sure. Um, and then I go and do it. And, you know, it's like a horrible migraine period. And it's also super hard because like no restaurants are adhering to this no, diet. So you kind of have yeah. to like cook every night and just, you know, make stuff. And I think we just found this like one soup that we would make in the crock pot because it was like the easiest thing. <laughs> and we just like ate that for like 30 days. Oh my God. And so by the end of it, I was sort of just like, okay, I guess I feel a little like healthier just because like we've cut out all this stuff and like there's not that much to yes. eat. But I don't know that it felt like I felt like somehow like way more energetic. I would say the best thing that came out of that was like we learned a lot about tofu because it was like one of the few things <laughs> that you could eat. We learned to drink black coffee because you couldn't put in um, dairy mm. or, or other things. So what's interesting about trying all these fads or trends is that you always, you know, because you change something in your life, right? You're sort of forced to yes. adapt. And then in the process of mm. adapting and changing, you just learn something else or you might appreciate something else. So there were some lasting impacts, but you didn't get tiger's blood, no, unfortunately. No, no. Okay. 
Well, you know, you win some, you lose some. You got tofu and black coffee. Didn't quite make it to tiger's blood, but that's okay. What is the most memorable gift that you've ever received or given? Either way. I definitely have recency bias here, but recently, um, just over the last holiday season, my husband decided to give me this gift and it sounds so cheesy, but he was going to go and go to bed at the same time as me at night. And (gasps) that's a huge gift. I know from experience, that is a big gift. (laughs) And it really meant the world to me because I had been suffering, you know, since like the fall from like two things. So the first is that I'm really, really bad about going to bed on time. I'm kind of a night owl. I've always Mm. preferred to stay up late and wake up late. You know, I think my natural schedule would be like, go to bed at like 2 a.m. and wake up at 10 a.m. And and that's what it would be. Yeah. Since becoming a parent and also in the last year, since starting to work with teams that are located across the world, you know, with like a 12-hour time zone, I've just had way more early morning meetings. And so now these days, my meeting schedule starts at around 7 or 7.30. Okay. Just really starting the day off with a bang. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so, and I'm also the kind of person that needs like a lot of sleep. Like I really need eight hours. And if I get seven, it, I've just, at the end of the day, I'm just like become a worse person. Like I just have like a shorter yes, patience. Totally. I'm like not able to deal with the children, you know, all, all of that stuff. Right. So I'm like, it's really important for me to get eight hours. And yet I'm like terrible at putting myself to bed. My husband as well is a night owl. Right. And so for a long time, I was just trying to like make myself go to bed, but it wouldn't work. Like I'd go to bed at like 1130. I go to bed at, you know, 12. There's no peer pressure. Right. Cause yeah. my, my husband didn't have to wake up in, yeah. early in the morning. So he was going to bed, you know, like at midnight or, or one or whatnot. And I think he saw me struggling so much and just really like, you know, being tired again, because of, you know, my own inability to kind of do this, that, that he said, you know, I will go to bed at the same time as you. And that is such a nice gift. Really, it really meant a lot to me. Um, and it, it was like, I think one of the nicest things that um, anyone could have done for me. That is so thoughtful and so simple and so great that he was able to support you like that. I really resonate with a lot of what you said about your natural state. And it's something I actively fight all the time. I feel like left to my own devices, I think I'd be on a two to 10 schedule. I really do. And it's wild because I'm like, there's so much I want to do and I want to wake up and seize the day. But then for some reason at night, my brain just starts firing and it's like, look at all this stuff you could be doing. And I'm like, stuff, I can do it tomorrow. And my brain's like, no, you can't. (laughs) You got to do it right now. It's torture. I struggle with that too. Julie, who do you think would play you in a movie about your life? And this could be a biopic or if there's a particular part of your life that you think would make a good movie, I want to hear that too. Like if there was a year where you're like, oh yeah, do that. It'd be my life, Julie Zhu, 2008. Hmm. I will have to say that I think my life is pretty boring. I don't think that it would actually make for a great biopic. No, my God. You're the only one who would say that. (laughs) I think it'd be awesome. I mean, Fluff Friends could be a whole section of the film alone. (laughs) I had this realization the other day as I was sort of thinking, I was actually reflecting on like, hmm, like, why does it feel like my life is, and I don't mean boring in like a bad way. Like what I mean by boring is like, yeah, yeah. there's not a lot of, you know, the ups and downs and the drama that would make for mm. a very interesting biopic. Right. And it, you know, there's like maybe little things and we can maybe write those little things in a way that, you know, is, is, you know, narrative oriented. But I would say that for the most part, I'm like a huge optimist. Love I don't really get involved in drama. 
people will tell you that I'm always like very even keeled and calm Mm. and like nothing really shocks me or surprises me or when shocking and surprising things happen, maybe I don't seem shocked or surprised because I'm just like, okay, let's like, let's like move forward and like figure that out. And so, yeah, so there's, there's probably like not like sort of these, these arcs, uh, you know, this sort of the like hero's journey or all of that in, in Mm -hmm. my life, which is not a bad thing. I actually think that, you know, I I, I love my life and I'm I'm very happy, right? Most of the time. Oh, it sounds like that's a superpower that you have. That's incredible. So in terms of who would play me, I mean, it's a little sad because there's not really, you know, my first thought goes to like, okay, well, how many Asian American actresses are there that would play me? And there's just not that many of them. And uh, and so of those, you know, who's the, I'm also very bad with knowing um, names of famous people. The one who was in Crazy Rich Asians, I guess she's. um, Oh, the main actress? The main actress. Yeah. Oh my God. What was her name? Oh, she her name? was great. She was great. That I love her. That would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. So she's probably my favorite Asian American actress at the moment. And I can't, oh wait, K- uh, Candace Wu? Constance, Constance, Constance Wu. Wu. There Constance we go. Wu. There we go. Oh there my go. God. She is incredible. I, she'd be first choice for this pick. I love it. But all this is to say that I wish there were a lot more Asian American actresses 100%. out there. 100%. I know. I couldn't agree more. I'm so glad that that movie got made and I'm ready for the next like 150 movies to get made like it for sure. Maybe this would be one of them. This could be another big hit for Constance. <laughs> <laughs> I saw her recently as well in the movie Hustlers. Um, oh. And yeah, J-Lo was great in that movie. She and J-Lo, there was like a really fun movie. I have to see that. Yeah, people have told me that that's a really good one. Well, I'm sure that she'll be excited to get the call for Fluff Friends, the Julie <laughs> Zoo story. <laughs> I just really love that idea so much that this started as something that you hacked together for a hackathon and then it ended up being a company your husband ran or your boyfriend at the time ran. See, that would make a cool story. You know, like what happens to Fluff Friends and the design and there's a lot of interpersonal dynamics that the film could explore. (laughs) There's a relationship in there. Maybe we could tweak it a little bit so that you got like engaged while Fluff Friends was happening. You're right. You know what? I'm going to hire you right now to be the scriptwriter and the director and we can work on this. (laughs) I'm so down. I'm 100% ready. That's amazing. Speaking of making things, what makes you laugh? Like what do you go to when you want to have like a good laugh? What do you think is funny? I think my children are very funny. Um, um, I do this thing monthly. It's almost like a journal, right? But I actually post mm-hmm. it on Facebook to my friends. And it's um, just a lot of the observations about my children. Mm. And I really try to, you know, if they say something funny, I'll like try and jot it down so they can like yes. you know, write it in this monthly journal. One thing in particular that made me laugh, my daughter said this uh, a couple of weeks ago. It's like doing something like maybe I was like washing dishes. And so she was bored. She's next to me. She wanted to play. And so she just picked up my phone. She's very savvy now. Um, she knows my passcode. She knows how to get in. So she she, she like types in the passcode. And so she just starts browsing old photos on my, sure. my camera. And I was like, okay, this is great. This will like keep her occupied for yes, five yes. minutes or so as I finish my task. And then at one point I hear a sigh and she's like, ah. she's like, I had forgotten how good my childhood was. Oh my God. That is hilarious. <laughs> and I was just like burst out laughing. I had to like, you know, tell my husband, I had to tell all my friends. But this was just a hilarious oh God, that's comment. hilarious. Yeah. I love the sigh. I love the nostalgic sigh from she's six. She's six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And nothing like a six-year-old like serving you a nostalgic sigh, yeah. reflecting on her childhood, her long ago childhood. <laughs> Those just say and like do the craziest things. Um, and yeah, I, I also think my, my husband's very funny, even though I think no one else quite seems to think so. Okay. <laughs> I feel like that's, you're the od- important audience for that one. The person you're married to should probably think that you're funny for sure. Uh, I also really like memes. Mm. Great. We love a meme. I don't know that this has made me laugh per se, but I have really enjoyed sea shanties on TikTok recently. Thank God for sea shanties. They're really like holding it together for all of us right now. Mm-hmm. And some of the some of the remixes are so creative and you know, you sometimes you're just like they're also hilarious. Yeah, so TikTok makes me laugh. Like I mean, a lot of the videos that TikTok do. I couldn't agree more. There's so much creativity and innovation that that app has fostered. Do you know your astrological sign and do you care? I think I'm a Gemini. Okay. I don't know what that means. Do you means. care? <laughs> <laughs> I am not an astrology person. The reason I like to ask about it is that I'm very curious about the belief systems that guide people. Is there anything like an astrological sign that you know about yourself that you take pretty seriously? Yes. I would say one thing that has been, and this is newer too, this is probably even the last 10 years. I think a lot about growth mindset. Um, You know, I read basically the book by Carol Dweck and I just, it really changed the way that I thought about things. Cause I think prior to then, you know, maybe from my cultural background and just the way I was raised, I was seeing a lot of things in the world from a fixed mindset and Mm. the idea that what what we are today is ever changing. um, I just, I loved that philosophy. Um, I think it's also led me a little bit more into learning more about Zen Buddhism. And I think a lot of uh, aspects of that quite resonate with me as well. In fact, one of my goals for this year, spend a lot more time contemplating my own mortality and the idea of death. Really? Yes. And it sounds quite morbid, but okay, I came to this realization that Hmm. I'm afraid of dying. And I didn't really think very much about it because I think I assumed that it's something, you know, I'm still quite young. Like there's a lot of life ahead of me. Like I'll think about this down the road. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I thought that perhaps Mm -hmm. it would be better for me to spend a lot of time just learning about it and and kind of mulling over it in my head and getting to a point where mm. I can accept that I will die and everyone will die. Um, and that's yeah. just, you know, that's a reality. Um, it's a fact of life. And I just wanted to be able to get more comfortable with that idea. Mm. Um, and I'm also hoping that in doing so, it might make me appreciate um, that time is a scarce thing and to mm-hmm. be able to spend it a little bit more wisely. So I've been reading a lot of books on death. I've, you know, mm. gotten the memento mori and I'm trying to yep, just, yep. you know, keep some space in my my thoughts for this idea of death every day. Mm. I totally relate to the idea of accepting the finite nature of certain things as a way to appreciate the more while they're there or appreciate the amount that you do have. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's something that I think as I've gotten older, I've had to invest more time in because it is so much easier to just be like, this is forever. This will always be here. There's an unlimited amount of this. Yeah. And then Absolutely. you maybe don't value it as much in the moment because yep. you think it's yep. going to be there for always. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with Julie Zhu. This episode is still brought to you by Chorus Meditation. Chorus is virtual instructor-led group meditation and breathing classes that make you feel better from your very first class. 
Unlike traditional meditation, which is typically done alone, can be boring, and takes weeks to feel a difference, Chorus is social with warm, personable teachers and amazing fellow classgoers, fun with new and popular music, and gives you a tingling sensation created by the breathing pattern. Chorus is for you if you want to be at your best. Just like physical exercise, you can be in good mental shape too. That makes all the difference for anything in your life, from creative inspiration to building a great company. To get a one-month free trial, use the promo code HelloHello at ChorusMeditation.com. You'll get unlimited access to all their live and on-demand classes for one month. Feel better now with Chorus. And we're back with Julie Zhu, co-founder of InSpirit and the author of The Making of a Manager. We are about to dive into our lightning round. Are you ready? I am. Yay. Okay, cool. Here we go. Coffee or tea? Coffee. And I was going to ask how you take it, but I word on the street is that you take it black. Oh, yes. Ever any milks? Any milks at all? You know, I I love a good pumpkin spice latte in the fall. Mm -hmm. Sure. Seasonal. Helps you celebrate the holidays. Exactly. (laughs) But but most days, yeah, it's just black coffee. Okay. iOS or Android? iOS. Always and forever? Always and forever. Always and forever. Me too. (laughs) Except for the time that I had a Blackberry in college. Do you have a favorite board game? Uh, Citadels. That's probably my favorite board game. Ooh, I don't know Citadels. Do you build cities? Is that that one? Wait, um, now I'm wondering if I remembered it correctly or not. I'm sure that you did. I just haven't heard of it, but it sounds great. It's this game where I could, I, could, I mean, I will, yeah. I'm, and now I'm like, now this is going to bother me for the rest of the day. I'm going to have to figure it out. It's what do you one do where in the you, game? So you, you, you get a particular role. Um, and no one knows exactly what your role is. And you're sort of all trying to lie about what your role is in order to um, kind of win the round. Oh my God. Wait, I need to play that game. That sounds amazing. It's really, it's like a really easy to learn game. It's, it's, it's pretty fun. It's and do you play it? Is it a, an online game or it's a board game that you it's play at a table? It's an actual board game. Yeah, it's an actual board game. Oh my God. I can't believe I haven't heard of this. This sounds so right up my alley. Because it, it sounds like you can lean into trying to like keep your role secret. Have you ever read a book twice? And if so, which book? I've read The Great Gatsby twice. Really? I've read The Phantom Tollbooth twice. Oh my God, I've, that was my favorite book as a kid. Yeah, I love I loved that book. That was my favorite Me book. As a, I've, I mean, I've read it like a billion times, um, probably not just twice. And only management book I think I've read twice is Andy Grove's High Output Management. That one I've wow. Heard you know what? That's also been recommended to me a number of times. I've heard that that's excellent. Yeah. It's a really great first principles book about managing um, corporations. And that's a really great book. That's awesome. Do you have a pump up song? My pump up song is probably Titanium by Sia. Oh, that's a, that's a great pump up song. Yeah. I love that one. I love it too. And then my final question of the lightning round is, uh, what would you title your memoir? The Looking Glass. <laughs> yes, perfect. We love that. That's great. And that is a, an Alice Wonderland reference? Yep, yep. It's Very also cool. the name that I gave to my blog and my mailing mm-hmm. list um, because mm-hmm. uh, for me, it really re- evokes the idea of self-reflection, which is one of the things that I do and um, a lot and, yes. um, and love to do. And uh, I felt like that would, you know, when if I have like a back at work when I had a conference room, it's called the looking glass. Um, I just think it's a good kind of motto for my life. Self-reflection and self-awareness is like a tree you plant that continues to bear fruit forever. That's how I feel about those two things. I've never once thought, I wish I was less 
self-aware. Yeah. And I think it's still a journey, right? It just, does, it doesn't ever end. You know, every Absolutely. week I, I feel like I'm still learning a little bit more about who I am mm-hmm. um, and what I want and how to live this life. And I think it's very hard to know where you want to go if you don't know, you know, who you are and where you came from. I couldn't agree more. Wow. Julie Zhu, what a pleasure having you on non-technical today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Yay. I really enjoyed it. And where can people find you if they want to know more or if they want to get your amazing book? My book is called The Making of a Manager and it is on Amazon. It is on everywhere where books are sold. Uh, I can be found online in most uh, forums as Julie, which is J-O-U-L-E-E. That's my Twitter handle. Come check me out at my website, juliezu.com. Love that. I Listeners, I think that you should. And if you like today's show, go ahead and head on over to iTunes. Give me a little five-star review. And my strong preference, please, is for that to include a little corpse speak, a little tech lingo, and I might read it on the next show. Until next time, you can find me at Gay on Twitter and Instagram and at NontechnicalPod on Twitter. And I hope everyone has an absolutely amazing week. Until next time, Julie, once again, thank you so much for joining. Thank you. 